The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. I remember thinking to myself as tears fell in the Bible, I said, I can't do this. I'm a Muslim. I cannot say Christ is Lord. But the Holy Spirit prevailed that night and I was drawn to Christ. The words came out of my lips. I said, Christ is Lord, and I was saved. A dramatic story of conversion as a young Muslim man born in Iran gives his life to Jesus Christ. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you'll meet Brother Ali in a moment. A special word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company who have made it possible for us to bring you today's interview. FEBC celebrates the stories of people everywhere who give their lives to Jesus. For more about reaching the world for Christ through radio and new media, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC. And while you're at the website, please take a moment to view the schedule of upcoming guests we have plans to bring you. Again, go to firstpersoninterview.com. You'll also find us at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. For security reasons, we're not giving you the name of the guest you'll hear. We're calling him Brother Ali. His story came to our attention through one of our radio affiliates, and we're happy to bring it to you now. Brother Ali was born in Iran, later making his way to America. But as we began the conversation, I asked him what he remembers about his childhood in Iran. Sure. I do remember going to the bazaar and the marketplace with my grandfather and and him holding my hand and walking around with him. I also have another very vivid memory that's probably not nearly as happy. And that's a memory of a siren going off. And I remember we would look at one another in terror and fear hearing that siren. It would sound to Americans like a tornado siren or a storm siren. And then we we would rush into the basement and we'd sit there in the darkness of the basement waiting. The siren meant bombing. And so we would wait for that bombing to end. It's a very eerie memory. I still have that. Yeah. Boy, what a frightening time for anybody who lived in the midst of that. Now, what were the circumstances of your family leaving Iran? Partly because of um, geopolitical things that were happening. Um, you know, And just really what's happened with the regime today, I want to say my parents really probably just saw the writing on the wall hmm. of what things were happening. Um, was there some political persecution? There certainly may have been um, due to you know, Iran really being pulled apart after the regime took place. Uh, Many people agreed with it, many didn't. And eventually my parents just left. Um, And again, I'm just, I'm simply just not privy to all that was going on there. I think Mm -hmm. my parents have not told me, possibly even to protect me from much of it. Um, But I know that they did eventually leave. They were very proud Muslims, but they didn't like what had happened in Iran. And so they just left. Uh, Your parents and your siblings and you all came? Um, that's right. We did all come. Um, it was definitely a long, drawn-out process to come to the to come to the Western world. And initially, we didn't come to America. We actually immigrated to Canada. But immigration with Canada did not work out for us, though we tried. So we ended up coming across the border and immigrating to the United States. And we settled down in upstate New York, and we began the immigration process. It would be I believe, 18 years before we'd actually be inducted as citizens from that point. Wow. Now, of course, you were a Muslim family. What did your mother say to you when you finally did come to this country? 
Yeah, I was the only son in the family. And so there was a lot at stake with making sure the only son would continue as a Muslim. And so she always had a great deal of fear and, and a sense of responsibility to raise me as a strong Muslim in the family. And so she would just tell me all the time, you know, my son, Ali, we're not in Iran anymore. This is not a Muslim country. And the people here, some of them, they talk about their Messiah. And when you hear about him, when they try to tell you about him, I want you to shut your ears because I've raised you as a Muslim and you're better than that. Um, it was very somber, even damning words for a mother to tell her son. But my mother loved me. She felt she was protecting me. Um, she didn't know that Christ was the truth. And growing up then as a young boy and a teenager and a young man as a Muslim, uh, what kind of uh, treatment did you receive here in this country? You know, I can actually um, say many good things about that. I, Growing up in upstate New York, I was really treated well. I, I had a lot of friends. I, My family assimilated very well, especially our kids. We assimilated very well into American life. Many Iranians do tend to assimilate very quickly and very well. And so I, I can't say that I encountered a great deal of, of persecution because I was a Muslim or, or even a great deal of racism. Of course, sometimes these things happen and we don't, we're not even aware because it's just kind of done quietly. But I didn't, re, re, I didn't really recognize or come against any of that really um, blatantly or clearly before me. Uh, persecution would not really start for me until I became a Christian. Uh, as a Muslim, how would you characterize, uh, were you uh, a practicing Muslim? How, what was your attitude towards religion? Sure. You know, there's certainly so many varying degrees within Islam. And uh, many people would say, I wasn't practicing as much as some people. Um, some have already made their pilgrimage to Mecca, and they pray absolutely five times a day. Um, I didn't pray five times a day every day. I certainly did make it a point to pray. But, um, but I wasn't in keeping with every single part of these things. But there was a lot about Islam that I did keep. Um, I did start on my own um, deciding I want to fast during the season of Ramadan, and I want to learn to pray, and I want to pray more often. And there can be a pursuit in every Muslim's life toward these things. And it's, it's really a pursuit toward attaining the goals that Islam has set in order to store up works in hopes that you have enough works to be led into heaven one day. So eventually you ended up on Wall Street working there. Uh, tell me about that experience. Absolutely. I actually dropped out of school to accept an opportunity to go work on Wall Street. You dropped out of college? I, uh, I did. I dropped out of college. I only had maybe one semester left. And um, it just so happened that this was actually, ironically enough, according to a suggestion I got from my twin sister, she said, listen, you, you could apply for some of these firms um, before you're waiting to finish your last semester of school. And I did. And, and some of the Wall Street firms, at that point, it was close to October 2007. It was the peak of the market. If you look at a chart of the Dow, um, that was the top of the Dow before the financial meltdown of 2008. And some of these firms were looking to hire very quickly. And they interviewed me. They said, we're not going to wait until you finish school. We'll give you a job today. And I love that. And, and I got really excited. And so I just dropped out of school. And I accepted the job to work on Wall Street. And I couldn't believe it without a degree. Um, but my parents were not happy about that decision I was going to say, I bet they weren't real pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are very disappointed. So you're a New Yorker at this point in your life. And that really shaped a lot of your lifestyle and thinking, didn't it? 
It did, and it certainly did. I learned to speak English, um, and and more or less the northeastern kind of speak very quick. And and I, you know, going through the New York school system, you certainly get indoctrinated toward a, a lot of things that really, in my opinion, now are, are religious things, uh, such as evolution and things of that sort. Um, but I did still hold on to my Muslim faith throughout all this. Did you? Okay. So, um, and then came along the, the, the crash in 2008. And uh, were, were you caught up in all of that? I was. In fact, I began work on Wall Street during that October 2007, and that was the peak of the Dow. Of course, um, most people would not know it until we would look back and see, boy, that was the top. And the crash began to get underway. People began to get nervous. And one by one, um, they started to leave the firm. And I didn't know where to go. And a mentor advised me. He said, just get out of here um, and just come back later on your own accord. Don't don't wait for them to tell you to leave. Leave on your own accord and the door will always be open for you to come back. So I left and ironically enough, I was offered a job in Omaha, Nebraska and I took it and went out to Nebraska. That was a big change. A lot of people made fun of me in New York for doing that. Tell me about moving to Omaha as a boy from New York. That had to be, uh, that had to be a whole new experience for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I praise the Lord that by the time I made the decision to come out here, a friend of mine was already um, here from a friend of mine from high school. And so I did have someone to stay with immediately upon arrival into Omaha. And of course, he was very excited. He was unable to get any of his um, friends from the East Coast to come out here. And here I had come for work. So I stayed with him. Um, I did have a great feeling of restlessness. I think many New Yorkers or people from a big city would kind of experience that here. Everything shuts down around 10 o'clock, and there's just a different culture out here. And so you you feel like you're missing something, like there's something going on that you don't know about. You should be out and about, but there's nothing, there's not a whole lot going on. Now, the city, you know, really goes to bed around 10 p.m. And and so that, that was very difficult. It took about six months to adjust to that. And during the whole time, I was very tempted to leave and go back to New York. But praise the Lord, I didn't. We have a lot of Midwestern listeners tuned in right now. Do you want to tell about uh, how you feel about the Midwest now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I love it now. You know, when I go back to New York, um, I, that's when I realize how much Omaha has grown and the Midwest has grown on me. Um, I remember one of my first visits back to New York, just a visit when I was already moved out and living in Omaha. And this is at, at this point, it would have been a, after a few years in Omaha. I remember I was in New York and I, I was walking down the street and eventually I got on a subway and there was some individual probably mentally troubled um, speaking to the wall on the subway and another person to my other side rambling to themselves. Um, just very crazy behavior. And I thought to myself, gosh, I miss Omaha. I can't wait to get back. <laughs> and I realized at that point that I had really changed um, tremendously from the time that I had left New York. I no longer missed New York desiring to leave the Midwest. It was the other way around. More of Brother Ali's story next on First Person. I'm so grateful for the grace I receive while listening to FBBC all day long. I cried listening to God's message multiple times. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC telling more listener stories while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. 
My guest is a young brother named Ali, who is a convert from Islam to Christianity. We're going to get to that part of the story now. Ali, you find yourself from New York and Omaha, Nebraska. You're still a Muslim at this point, uh, but God starts to bring some people into your life. So pick up the story there if you would. Absolutely. Uh, I have to say that I was really blind to the fact that God's hand was working in my life even before my salvation at that point. Um, because the Lord wasted no time. As soon as I arrived in Omaha, um, I was already surrounded with many of the people who would be the Christians in my life witnessing to me about the truth of Jesus Christ being the Son of God. I remember arriving in Omaha and having this feeling that um, I was just too good for this place as a New Yorker. I didn't belong here, and and it was beneath me to be out here. This was the arrogance I was operating under. Um, I thank God for his grace, despite this horrible state of pride and sin that I was in, um, the Lord that very first week gave me a true witness. I remember um, judging the Nebraskans, and as a New Yorker, I had just come from the cutting edge of fashion, and so one of the things I was priding myself on is is how nice I dressed and, <laughs> and how I was dressed better than the Nebraskans. And I remember I noticed someone in the room at the financial company that I had just gotten hired to work out in, in Nebraska. I noticed someone there who was dressed better than me. And boy, that bothered me. <laughs> um, it bothered me to the point where I decided I was going to dress better than him the next day. And he dressed better than me again. And, and day after day, he would just beat me in this competition that he didn't even know what was going on. And that really frustrated me. And finally, I told myself, Ali, don't let it bother you so much that this guy dresses so much better than you even though he's probably some farmer's kid, is what I was telling myself, I said, don't let it bother you. I mean, look at, so I could write him off and avoid him. But boy, um, it wasn't going to happen. I was drawn to him, and this was really God's work. I went to him eventually, and, and I said, you know, can I join you for lunch? He said, sure. I sat down with him at the lunch table, and this would have been, again, probably the first week in Nebraska. I began to talk to him, and he was reading a book during lunch. Um, this is at the company we worked at. And I said to him, what are you reading? And he turned and he said to me, this is a book about evangelism. Hmm. He, he was a fisherman, a follower of Christ, and he was even studying how to continue that trade. So, and I ran right into his net. <laughs> yeah, I love the, uh, the analogy of he's the fisherman and you're the fish. <laughs> that was, that was, yeah. that's, that's great. Uh, but he wasn't the only one. Then Dan came along. That's right. After a while, uh, Thomas's witness, this individual's name was Thomas, and he witnessed heartily, um, and with great faith, he continued to witness. And I would say, um, you know, being out in Nebraska as a foreigner, a New Yorker, just kind of plucked out of New York life and put in the Midwest, I was really um, a fish out of water, you could say. I was just out of my element, and Thomas befriended me. He helped me a great deal. He loved me, and so he had an opportunity to witness to me. And eventually, um, after Thomas, and I avoided him after a while, his witness was so strong that that's certainly a compliment to him, but I avoided him. I swam away from him, if you will, hmm. and I ran into a net of another man, and his name was Dan. Um, what's interesting is I picked both of these individuals without knowing they were Christian. This was God's hand at work. Um, I picked Thomas. I didn't know he was a Christian, and the next person I picked, they actually asked me at work. They said, we're going to promote you. We want you to pick someone to shadow for a day, and I said, okay, I'm going to pick this other guy. I went and I sat at his desk. His name was Dan. And he was a youth pastor. I had no idea. <laughs> you were trapped. You were That's caught. Right. You were on the hook, as they say, right? But it wasn't That's either right. one of these men that actually led you to the Lord. It was well. You you pick up the story there. What what was the the crowning achievement sure. by the Lord here? 
Sure, absolutely. So, um, Dan, unknown to what unknown and not knowing Thomas, he picked up where Thomas left off. And eventually, after Dan, another man, Kevin, was a believer, um, we got assigned seats and cubicles, and I was seated next to Kevin. He picked up where Dan left off. He was a true believer. And and this this divine conspiracy, if you will, played out one fisherman to the next. As I would escape the net of one, I would run into the next one. <laughs> so it's a very encouraging thought for me and, our, and my witnesses. We never know where that fish is going, but we know God has many fishermen downstream. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. Eventually, I thought after two and a half years of being in Nebraska and running into so many Christians, I came to a point where I was convinced that the entire state of Nebraska is saved, <laughs> a true believing state. And and so I avoided a lot of people. I avoided a lot of people. And and eventually this is what happened after two and a half years. I remember um, one night saying, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay at home and watch some Netflix. And I went through, turned on my Netflix and went through. And at the top, it said, suggested for Ali. It was my Netflix profile. It said, suggested for Ali the gospel of John. And I looked at that and I said, wow, look at that. Netflix is estimating that I would rate this five out of five stars. I said, you know, and maybe, maybe I will like this. I'm put this on. And after all, so many Christians had witnessed to me. I already felt I had a great deal of background on what I was watching. Um, but I'd certainly underestimated watching what would be essentially a video Bible. I put that movie on underestimating God's power, his Holy spirit. And and, and the witness and the love of many saints. And before the end of the movie, I broke down. I broke down in tears. It was when they took Christ and beat him that I just could not take it. I said, what are they doing to this man? He hasn't done anything wrong. And, and in that moment is when the Holy Spirit really convicted me about sin. No, I'm avoiding Dan at this point for a long time. I've avoided Thomas for over a year at this point. And, but here's what had happened is one of them had helped me get a Bible. I had the Bible under the bed and I paused that movie. I went and I pulled the Bible out from under the bed and, and there was a note in that Bible from another fisherman that had said, if you're serious about this, Ali, go to Romans 10. And so I went to Romans 10 and at this point I'm weeping and there's tears falling in the Bible. And I went to Romans 3 and after that I went to Romans 10. That's what the sheet of paper had told me to do. And in Romans 10, it says it very clearly. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I looked at that and I remember thinking to myself as tears fell in the Bible, I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm a Muslim. I cannot say Christ is Lord. But the Holy Spirit prevailed that night and I was drawn to Christ. The words came out of my lips. I said, Christ is Lord. And I was saved having believed it in my heart. Did you tell anyone? After some time of just sitting there reflecting on what had just happened, um, I, I actually texted Dan and I said, I did it. Now he hadn't heard from me in some time and he was actually out on a hunting trip and I didn't know that. He texted back, you did what? And I said, I, I accepted Christ. He called me immediately. He, he said, listen, you wouldn't be kidding with me, would you? And I I said, no, no, I've just been watching this movie. I've been, you know, crying. I can't believe this. And, and I believed it now. And so he said, what, what, what movie are you watching? And I said, it's called The Gospel of John. And Dan said, oh, it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, um, Dan said something interesting. He said, listen, Ali, 
we had no idea you were close to making this decision. I said, I didn't, I didn't plan this. I said, I didn't make plan to make a decision tonight. I didn't know I was, you know, close at all. And so that's the encouraging thing is, you know, I, I believe I'm convinced that usually fish don't know when they're about to get caught. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, your family are still in the faith of Islam and tell me how they've reacted to all this. Yeah. So I remember after about a month, I, um, I had brother Dan came up to me and he said, uh, listen, we're still rejoicing at your salvation. I'm just curious where things are. Have you had a chance to tell your family about your new faith? And I very naively as a new believer, I said to Dan, I said, you know, I've been thinking about that, Dan. We're just not going to do that part for me. We're going to skip that part. I'm never going to do that part. And he, he very lovingly took me aside. He and an elder, I think they had me over for tea and which every Iranian loves to be invited for tea and, and had some tea and they had me go with them through some of the gospels and when i saw that jesus and matthew says some say i came to bring peace but it is not so i came to bring the sword turn father against son mother against daughter i realized that the lord knew ahead of time that there would be strife in families and division because of his name that actually encouraged me to go ahead and share my faith that that god knew about this that we would i would be persecuted and so I remember I called home one day. I told Dan, and he had the believers praying for me. I called home one day hoping to get my uh, parents and tell them first, and then tell my twin sister, who's also Muslim. But my oldest sister actually wasn't a Muslim. Um, having been really heavily indoctrinated into the medical system as a doctor, um, she was more of an evolutionist, and, and she didn't appreciate God at all. And so I was, I was hoping I was going to call her last and tell her, well, I called home for my parents and she answered the phone. Now, I had my best laid plans, but, but oftentimes, especially in persecution, you're going to suffer. And she was the first person I talked to. She was not happy about my faith. I told her, I've decided to believe on Jesus Christ as Lord. And there was a silence on the phone. I thought she had hung up. But she, was, she couldn't believe it. She was processing what she heard. And finally, when she realized what I had said, she burst out in anger. I kicked off an argument for about two hours, and I was naively trying to convince her I'd made the right decision. I eventually gave up on that, and I said, listen, you know, you, you talk about diversity and tolerance and acceptance, and she said, yeah, and I'm proud of it. I said, well, I don't feel very accepted or tolerated right now, and so she said, well, here, and she gave the phone to my parents, and finally, I got to tell them they were heartbroken. Their only son, who was a Muslim, had become a Christian and they had every right from an Islamic standpoint to disown me but by God's grace they didn't and so we've we've been witnessing and praying for them to this day and we need to pray along with brother Ali for his family to come to Christ Ali still lives in Nebraska where he and his family worship and serve at a local church these stories are made possible each week by the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC's programs are available in many countries, whether through radio, online, or other means, and often reach into hard-to-penetrate places where people need to learn of Christ and the gospel. An online devotional has been prepared to tell many stories of how the Lord is using FEBC's ministry, and you can receive it free of charge when you sign up at firstpersoninterview.com. The devotional often includes video testimonies and is always tied to scripture to encourage and challenge you from God's word. Sign up at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.